What's up, everybody? I'm Ken Crump. This is Positronic Drive TV. Today, we're going to start a new series about anti-theism and what exactly that is and what it represents. Uh, much of this is based on my book, Atheist Fairy Tales, 100 Things Anti-Theists Get Wrong About Christianity and the Bible. Uh, we're going to, first, we're going to start with exactly what it means to be an anti-theist. Um, when you look at atheism, uh, like any other group, not all atheists are the same. They contain many different categories and subgroups, some of which overlap and bleed into one another. And while there are many ways to classify the atheist community, these are mine. One is the academic atheists. These are atheists who usually hold multiple degrees in science, philosophy, or theology. Many are college professors. They have a deep intellectual understanding of the issues and tend to be vocal about their positions. While many are anti-theists, not all are. The second category is the anti-theist atheists. These are people that not only lack belief in a god or gods, but also find religion harmful to society and actively work against it. Many are political activists or members of anti-theist advocacy groups. They range in spectrum from those who simply hold a negative opinion about religion to those who are intolerant religious bigots. The phrase new atheism or atheist fundamentalists are sometimes used to describe people in this group. While many are just a nuisance, some are dangerous and threaten the liberty and at times even the lives of people of faith. Uh, the next group is the inclusive atheists. These are atheists that are no less convinced that any god or gods exist, but are not openly hostile to people of faith. Many times they'll work together with the faith community on common goals. Many tend to be in opposition to anti-theists because they see anti-theism as a liability to the cause of atheism. The next category is the agnostic atheist. While agnostic and atheist are generally two different terms, agnostics can be divided into two camps. Uh, what some call weak agnostics are people who say there might be a god or gods, but they just aren't convinced one way or the other, and they leave the door to faith open. The strong agnostic says they can't rule out the, theoretically po the theoretical possibility of the existence of deity, but if God exists, uh, they are unknowable, and therefore, there's no reason to explore these issues. So in essence, you have the same result as the atheist, and that's why they're included here. Next is the religious atheist. These are people who deny the existence of deity, but still find some value in religion. They may enjoy certain aspects of religious culture or find that religious values are beneficial to society. They're likely to say that, although I don't believe God exists, we should act like he does. Some Jews fall into this category since their religious and racial identity tend to be intermixed. In other words, the Jewish culture contains religious symbolism, so they would identify with that even though they don't believe in the existence of the God of Judaism. And next is the celebrity atheists. And a lot of times when you see uh, anti-theists out there, uh, a lot of them are these types of people. They're celebrity atheists. The celebrity atheists consist of atheists who are actors, writers, musicians, journalists, comedians, and politicians who speak out against theism. While they may be very outspoken on anti-theist topics, their claim to fame is not being an atheist. Many also lack the educational background to really speak out on these issues with any credibility. Some go to the extreme of religious bigotry. Uh, the next category is the atheist of convenience. These are people that are atheists because God means rules. It's just more convenient to adopt an amoral lifestyle than to restrict oneself with a fixed morality. There's no deep intellectual understanding of the origin of mankind, science, or theology, just your drunk uncle doing whatever he pleases. Uh, next is the passive atheist. 
they can also be categorized as non-theists. These are atheists who don't care about metaphysical issues. They don't believe that a God or God exists or find any value in, the, in theism. However, they tend to keep themselves and live their lives without inserting themselves into the God versus atheism debate. So let's look at some of the problems that exist in this new atheism. Uh, in 2006, atheist journalist Gary Wolf coined the phrase new atheism to describe the modern militant brand of atheism that exists today. The new atheists not only believe that religion is bad for society, but feel obligated to proactively attack it at every opportunity. People in the faith community consider this religious bigotry. As noted in the previous section, these, there are numerous atheists that also find this trend disturbing. We list a number of more, the more problematic issues here. Number one is arrogance. The new atheism is primarily based on an exaggerated sense of self-importance. Richard Dawkins, one of the most famous atheists, uh, believes that atheists are brights, that they are smarter than everyone else, that he believes they are further along the evolutionary path than all the stupid religious people. This would be laughable if it wasn't so dangerous. Even some in the atheist community find Dawkins' assertions delusional. Assumption. The new atheism is primarily based on assumption, not facts or science. They rarely present any empirical evidence for their attacks on people of faith. Instead, they use slander and mockery to spread their message of hate. They don't conclusively know that God and miracles are false. They just assume they are. And number three is ignorance. While some atheists are very intelligent, well-educated individuals, when it comes to theology, they frequently stumble over themselves. They have little to no knowledge of hermeneutics, linguistics, Bible history, ancient languages, or archaeology as it relates to religious history. They're usually more science-math-oriented, while theologians fall under the arts and philosophy side of things. Some of the disagreement comes down to science versus the arts or math versus communications. The sciences tend to view the world in a more concrete way and find little value in metaphysical subjects such as theology or philosophy. While there are aspects of society that need a more concrete understanding, that certainly doesn't apply to everything. Since they've already summarily dismissed religion as foolishness, most won't take the time to understand it. If one rejects religion and faith issues, so be it. But when they attempt to engage people of faith on matters of religion, they would have more credibility if they had a better grasp of the issues. The next problem area is hasty generalizations. Most atheist arguments about religion are based on broad brush assumptions rather than facts. Many of their positions are based on nothing more than worn out stereotypes. To them, religion is ridiculous and the people that advocate it ignorant and foolish. Another problem area is defamation. Defamation can be defined as deliberately or recklessly making false statements about someone that damage their reputation. Argumentum ad hominem, or to argue against a person by discrediting their reputation, is a common tactic among anti-theists. However, if they address a real problem area in religion that's factually correct, that's not defamation. And finally, intolerance. Not all anti-theists are religious bigots, but many are. It's understandable that some may come to the conclusion that religion can be harmful to society, but to censor or restrict people of faith in an effort to cleanse the world of religious people has an ominous tone to it. When the communists tried to do this, many people of faith were killed in the name of atheism. Most modern anti-theist intolerance involves disrespect, mockery, and the attempts to strip society of any religious influence. While most would never censor or harm religious people, this is where it starts 
and this is where it needs to be stopped in its tracks. Hey, if you're getting something out of this episode, then you want to get my book, Atheist Fairy Tales, A Hundred Thing Anti-Theists Get Wrong About Christianity and the Bible. What you're hearing today is taken directly from this book and is available from Amazon. The ebook is only $2.99, the print version is $9.99. If this blesses you, go check it out. So how do we interact with these anti-theists? Number one, don't give them more credit than they deserve. In the bigger scheme of things, anti-theists are more of an irrelevant annoyance than a credible threat. They represent a tiny minority of people who are more concerned with stroking their egos than making the world a better place. While many atheists are sincere, decent people, the anti-theist fringe, or new atheism, represents a toxic cesspool of conceit, arrogance, and bigotry. When everything is said and done, anti-theist atheism will be nothing more than a footnote in the history of humanity. If possible, they're better off being ignored into oblivion. But there are times when their disinformation needs to be corrected. This is best done with a calm, rational response as opposed to the knee-jerk response. Second, be selective. As Christians, we have a duty to share the gospel, but that duty doesn't include wasting our time on closed-minded people. As harsh as this may sound, ministering to most anti-theists is a waste of time. However, if you see some glimpse of humility or feel the need to have a discussion with them, then by all means, go ahead and do it. But our primary mission is to reach the lost, not debate atheists. Your time is better spent ministering to people that have receptive hearts and open minds. Christians waste a lot of time having endless debates about the merits of our faith with people who don't even think God exists. If these people don't believe in God's existence, then it's pointless to explain or justify what we believe to them. Every minute you waste during one of these fruitless debates, you're taking time away from someone who actually realizes their need for salvation. When Jesus sent out the 72 disciples, he said that if people didn't receive them, to shake the dust off their shoes and move on. That's found in Luke 10, 1 through 16. He didn't tell them to argue with them or try to force them to believe. When dealing with atheists, your primary job is not to win an argument. Your job is to publicly correct inaccurate information. It's not so much a question of winning them over as much as countering the ignorance and defamation so that others won't be led astray by their bigoted claims. Occasionally, you may get through to one, but it's rare. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying don't minister to atheists. I'm just saying know when you're wasting your time and should move on. There are plenty of people in the world more receptive to the gospel. You can't reach them when you spend most of your time having fruitless arguments with people whose minds are already closed. Third, don't allow the anti-theist to control the dialogue. Don't allow them to frame the conversation using their own terms or scenarios. Stay on point and challenge every false assertion they make. Many times their logic is flawed or circular. Also, don't allow them to bait you into a heated or angry argument. Although the atheist has no moral compass, as Christians, it's important that we stay true to the gospel of love. And finally, don't allow them to distract you away from your main point by getting drawn into a debate about a minor related issue. If you study the teachings of Jesus, you'll find that he did this a lot. He did not allow, whether it be religious people or secular people or whoever, he did not allow them to control the conversation. Number four, don't assume that atheists are smart. Anti-theism is based on faulty logic and theological ignorance more than empirical evidence or sound science. 
There's this look at me, I'm smarter than everyone else mindset that drives many of them. And since they see theists as less intelligent, they feel it's their duty to save the world from the ignorance of theism and superstition. While some are well-educated, know what they're talking about, most simply parrot what they read on atheist websites. Once you begin to challenge them, their arguments tend to fall apart. Anti-theism is based more on assumption than on reason, logic, or the truth. Even some atheists are appalled at the arguments of new atheism. Let's look at what some atheists have to say about it. Quote, The arguments being put forward here are just extraordinarily blind and simplistic. I just don't think scientists, when they step out of science, have any better insight than the ordinary schmuck on the street. It makes me embarrassed to be an atheist. Scott Atran, This Week Beyond Belief. Quote, The circularity of Hitchens' arguments is that religion poisons everything. But what about the good done in the name of religion? If they're really good, that just shows they're not really religious. The same circular argument appears in Hitchens' discussions of the atrocities generated by secular creeds. He says of totalitarian societies that because their leaders are regarded as infallible, such states are theocracies and therefore essentially religious. That's Richard Norman in Holy Communion. Number five, have a good understanding of your subject matter. Of course, the most important subject is Scripture itself, but you need more than just the Bible says so to reach people who don't believe in God. Many times they just need to know the why behind what you're saying. You also need to understand logic, science, current events, etc. Because Christians with a superficial understanding of Scripture who speak out with a fundamentalist knee-jerk fervor do more damage to the gospel than atheism ever could. What to expect when challenging an anti-theist? Anti-theists are fairly predictable. Most have the same responses when challenged. First, they attempt to discredit the person making the statement. The primary way they do this is through condescension and mockery. Usually, decency, fair play, or mutual respect aren't part of the conversation. They also may attempt to redefine commonly used words or processes so they can stack the deck in a discussion. Many of their statements begin with a false premise or a commonly held false negative stereotype about people of faith. They also tend to overgeneralize concepts. And number seven, respond in love. Don't lower yourself to the same level used by many anti-theists. Because they have no understanding of a fixed moral standard, many of their attacks can be very hateful. Speak the truth in love. Respond in a calm, rational way without name-calling. Just stick to the facts and cite sources. However, neither does this mean we should sugarcoat anything either. While it may be tempting to respond in kind with sarcasm or name-calling, it's better to just stick to the facts. Believe it or not, there are reasonable atheists that are more prone to listen to people that are calm and rational. As Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those that mistreat you. That's Luke 6, 27 and 28. Now let's take a look at some of the fallacious anti-theist arguments. Although they present a pretense of logic and intelligence, when you take the time to examine their arguments, most contain several logical fallacies. Here are a few of the ones used the most. The biggest one probably is the hasty generalization. Uh, this is probably the most common tactic that atheists use against people of faith. 
The broad brush approach, also known as dictor simpliciter, is when atheists will use overly simplistic generalizations about people of faith in their accusations. These accusations usually have little or any basis in fact. Then they'll say that since a religious person did something bad, then all religious people must be bad. Even atheists such as Richard Norman see this as a problem for anti-theists. Quote, By far the commonest criticism directed against the new atheists is that they do overgeneralize. I think that the criticism is justified. Richard Norman in Holy Communion. The second fallacious atheist argument is the false premise. For example, atheists will say, well, since religion is the cause of most wars, the world would be better off for religion. Or religious people hate gay people, so religion is evil. Now, both of these arguments are based on false statements. Wars have little to do with religion, and the fact that homosexuality is categorized as a sin in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean that Christians hate gay people. Certainly, the attempt by religious people to politicize these issues doesn't help, but both of these accusations are each based on a false stereotype. Now, don't get me wrong, there are people that will say these kinds of things and call themselves Christians, but to say that everybody is like this is false. Third is argumentum ad hominem. This occurs when someone doesn't attempt to refute the facts, usually because they can't, but instead attacks the person. They engage in character assassination. They're saying that you can't believe what the person is saying because they're such a horrible person. This is a common tactic in political campaigns. The demonization of Christians is a common thread among anti-theist extremists. In his review of Dawkins' book, The God Delusion, fellow atheist Michael Shermer had little good to say about Dawkins' work. Quote, I found myself wincing at Dawkins' references to religious people as faith heads, as being less intelligent, poor at reasoning, or even deluded, and to religious moderates as enablers of terrorism. I shudder because I have religious friends and colleagues who do not fit these descriptors, and I empathize at the pain such pejorative appellations cause them. In addition, I'm not convinced by Dawkins' argument that without religion there would be no suicide bombers, no 9-11, no 7-7, No crusades, no witch hunts, no gunpowder plot, no Indian partition, no Israeli-Palestine wars, no Serb-Croat-Muslim massacres, no persecution of Jews as Christ killers, no Northern Ireland troubles. In my opinion, many of these events, and others often attributed solely to religion by atheists, were less religiously motivated than politically driven, or at the very least involved religion in the service of political hegemony. Michael Shermer, arguing for atheism. Next is the no true Scotsman argument. Now, this argument isn't used by atheists as much as what atheists accuse people of faith of using. Nevertheless, it's usually incorrectly applied. The no true Scotsman argument goes something like this. First person, no true Scotsman would drink anything other than Scotch whiskey. Second person, but my uncle drinks Kentucky bourbon and he's a Scotsman. First person, then he's no true Scotsman because only a true Scotsman would drink Scotch whiskey. Sometimes crazy people will do or say something horrible and then quote a scripture to justify it. For example, a schizophrenic mother may drown her children and say God told her to do it. Obviously, the reason someone like this committed such a horrific act is due to mental illness. Their rationale is irrelevant. But atheists will disingenuously use this as an example to justify their claim that religion is dangerous. 
When a Christian steps up and says no Christian would act this way, the atheist will accuse them of using the no true Scotsman fallacy. The problem with this is that the no true Scotsman fallacy has no objective criteria to compare to the claim. The definition of what a true Scotsman is, is ambiguous. With Christianity, there's a common moral standard. Granted, various denominations will disagree on theology, but there's a common theology that's accepted by the overwhelming majority of Christians. Therefore, the atheist no true Scotsman accusation falls flat when the statement is compared to Christian doctrine. Thanks for listening. Positronic Drive TV podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker, CastBox, and Overcast. If you like our podcast, please subscribe to your preferred program. It'd also be awesome if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also donate through Anchor and help us spread the message of God's love. Hope this has been a blessing to you. God bless you.